When the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real So, Ryan, another week. Um, you're sounding a bit grizzly. I'm sounding a bit grizzly. What's going on in California right now? Oh, man. Maybe I'll uh, come off like a better late night DJ voice today. Um, yeah, just uh, getting through it, man. The uh, life, getting back at it. I caught a little bit of a bug and trying to trying to get through it over here. But uh, feeling good. H2 is on its, on its way. Lots of momentum behind the sales here as we lead ourselves into what the second half of 2021 is looking like. How are, how are things across the pond? Yeah, good. good. I think I've realized that having kids means that you live in a petri dish. So, you know, we've been dealing with our first sort of old from daycare or something this week. So, my entire household got struck by it the weekend as well. So, yeah, new normal, I guess. <laughs> um, H2, yeah, shaping up well. Um, pretty confident we've got a good, good throughput for the year. Um, so nothing too interesting. But what has happened to me this week, which I find quite interesting, is people coming back to me after three, four months of not making any decisions. And Jerry, you're too expensive. Too expensive. Fine. Good. You, you go and investigate other strategies and see you on the other side maybe one day, sometime in the future. And um, got me thinking over the weekend. And then Josh Braun posted something on LinkedIn about real life negotiations and standing firm almost was the, was the message. Stand firm on the value that you sell. And I think so many salespeople are so keen to transact and win and hit their number that you know, they don't know how to be confident about pricing, walking away when somebody doesn't understand the value or where they're trying to get you to discount for them. But the, the examples of standing firm shows business maturity, respect and belief in a way that discounting doesn't. So I've been thinking about that a lot recently. What, what are you thinking on, on that part of the, the conversation? Because we always talk about top of funnel, right? Quite good to come down funnel sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, it's been it's been a big part of it's been a big part of my process. In fact, I've been I mean, I've I've been trying a lot of different things to get people to move um, on uh during my go-to-market and for different reasons than what most sellers do um uh as i bring a brand new service to the to the market you know what what motivates people to want to move um and the reality is i don't think it ever really comes down to price and um offers etc although you know i've been trying a few things based on you know a book i read uh trying to do different offers to get people to move and really didn't change anything 
in fact, all it did was hurt my margins for yeah. the next for the next uh, period of time um, working with these folks. But um, you know, you got to try things, you got to test things, you got to figure out where it's at. But once you understand um, where your pricing packaging fits well into a market, um, you know, I'm, I am a big believer of of um, trying to stand firm um, on price but price is is always an interesting piece of the negotiation process um price and packaging make a difference right you can always move the actual dollar value amount around and maintain the unit price of your services um in pretty strategic ways um but at the end of the day I don't think it ever, I'm trying to look back and every time I've ever become creative or um, try to work deals out with folks, those tend to be the deals that never really take off. They never really uh, become good customers. Yeah. You're constantly trying to, you, you put more effort into satisfy this different way of servicing that individual. Um, and it never goes well. Um, and then, you know, to top that off, it's so interesting that you brought this up as what we want to talk about today. Because someone had sent me a, a podcast Tony Hughes is, Tony Hughes did a while back. He was promoting his new book, um, but he got into a topic that was off off the book. It was about um, just the future of sellers in general, um, being digital versus field. And um, this topic came up in a unique way. Uh, through a case study during the pandemic, a very large pharmaceutical company was um, lost two of their best sellers, their top, top markets, two territories gone. They didn't know what they were going to do, scrambling, trying to fill the roles, not sure what they were going to do. And as the reports started to come in, they saw something very interesting. Those two territories became the most profitable highest revenue generating territories <laughs> and they said wait wait, how, how can that be we invest all these resources and sales people to help our clients and ask the clients what's going on well we get most of everything we need from your website you know we've got materials it's pretty good what we what i don't get it we, we, we spend millions on our field sales team to help serve you say, well there's one thing that they're pretty good at, pretty helpful with. <laughs> it's getting us a good discount. <laughs> it's going very right. And I, I kind of get it um, to a point. You know, I, I've been in sort of momentum valleys where a deal helps break the momentum. Mm -hmm. So your mindset is I need to do the deal to break the momentum valley and get back on track. Or... I'm pretty close to this goal that I've been set. I kind of need to get there. So I'll do what I'm allowed to do within the restraints and constraints that I've got. But ultimately, you're right. It never leads to good customers and never leads to really sort of outstanding portfolio building. That's the goal, right? Find customers that you can service over and over and over again now and into the future. Mm -hmm. And discounting and price makes vendors cheap, makes prospects cheap it makes the whole process cheap if you haven't 
got that anchor that, that sort of requirement that, that needs to change somewhere. And if you haven't got that right, then you just want commodity. And if you strip everything back to discount, or any anyone can do that, a bot can do that. So three things probably converge there, Ryan. One's likability, being like the rep needs to be liked. So they're gonna do the thing that they want their prospect they need to do to make something happen. The second one is there's an inherent like a business acumen for most reps. Oh, for sure. Because they don't understand the margin, the dynamics of the thing that they sell. Not, not at all. They just don't understand the dynamics. They don't understand the cost of a unit and the, nope. the thing that it costs that, to produce that over and over and over again. The, the, the most entrepreneurs don't even know that. It's scary. The unit economic, especially in services businesses, yeah. especially in services businesses. Um, and the, the third one is arbitrary targets that don't make sense and haven't been explained to reps. Yes. So you've got those sales. three things intersecting, then you're always going to have this kind of culture. I mean, well, there's, there's again, it goes back to price being a ticket item yeah. and, not, and not understanding the packaging of that price. And, and for those of you who are not following around, along with what we mean by that, packaging, what I'm, you know, is the unit, the unit pieces of your, you know, your service or your offering that are going into that price. What are all those individual units? Every individual unit has some sort of cost structure, whether it's SaaS or software uh, or SaaS or services. To look at every little piece, every person who's involved in servicing that client, there's a cost mechanism that you can calculate that's uh, going to generate that unit economics, unit economic cost of delivering whatever it is that you're providing. I mean, it's pretty simple when you have a widget, right? But I don't even think a lot of salespeople even know that, right? Sell me this pen, the cherry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's metal and there's ink and there's there's etching you know there's cost that goes into all of that production then you have yeah. to throw margin on top of that that's where the price comes in <laughs> that gap it's <laughs> where the money is made yeah. you have a salary you have a commission there's got to be profit otherwise your business is going to tank i don't know i don't know if a lot of people get it um, and I definitely know that startups get taken advantage of, you know. Um, oh, usually. And I, I mean, I'm. Give you social proof, Ryan. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going through that myself, um, pretty big time this time around, and, it's, um, and this is a very important topic because going back to me, doing things that I've been working to try to get people to move fairly. I mean, it's, it's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. Because at some point, it's like, all right, well, at least it gets me through burning dumpsters, but now I got a bunch of clients I have to serve and I'm not making any money. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that keeps me from getting the next one that could make me money, right? That's yeah. huge, which means what do I have to do? Well, I have to add on more cost to try to make more money. This is, an, this is, this is one of the reasons why that uh, growth at all costs is dangerous, dangerous. Uh, principle for a young startup and the, the venture capital fueled environment growth logos 
You know, yeah. you bring on a bunch of clients that you have to service and avoid churns mechanism. And they're all, no, none of them are making you any money. The only way to keep growing is through growth. Right. And we went through that with, <clears throat> we went through that with the sales developers pretty yeah, I'm, I'm actually you know, a few weeks ago and he said there's no amount of money I won't spend to meet new customers right now. Very day funded business. Which is like I mean, at some point this is gonna come down to price because you're thinking about the world the wrong way. And it's, it's kind of ruinous mindset. There is no amount of money that I won't spend to acquire new customers. Think about that for a second. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand the. I mean, there is there is different principles around <clears throat> business operations, right? Uh, operators have different objectives. Yeah. For their their business, right, and. Well, to me, that's just straight somebody that just wants to fund, right? I just want to get venture funding. I just need run rate. Profitability does not matter. Yeah. Now, walk me through. Walk me through that conversation a bit more, because I'm very curious. Because this goes back to a situation that would be very. I mean, what is the mindset of that? business to achieve like what 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 objectives did you uncover the growth with without cost yeah growth without cost it's all run rate just need quiet customers <laughs> so is, it, about, is you, it the magic horn of plenty that uh, elon musk talks about <laughs> it must be right all right <laughs> it's, it's just uh, I can't compute it because I believe in the value of business fundamentals. You have a cost, you have a margin, you sell, you sell to profitability, you reinvest a percentage of that profitability into making your service or product better and your company more stable, and then you use the rest to fund growth. Then gradually, you earn the right to start taking money back out of business as a reward for the fundamental execution at the bottom of the process, at the start of the process. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's my understanding of how you operate a business it makes total sense. But again, it goes back to the operating principles of the ownership and what are the objectives? Um, I mean, there, there are there are mindsets, lots of businesses that are um, created without the objective of ever making money. Um, you know, they may they may serve a purpose of some other, you know, scheme they have. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I just don't you know, get it. It's a, it's a write off. It's uh, it's fueling some sort of other. Um, something right um but uh but in any case if uh if, if if you're working with an operator who who believes in the principle of growing or dying um because that's really the only two directions your business can go you're either growing 
or you're dying. Yeah. You're either gaining market share, you're losing market share. Um, there's no plateau, right? It's always moving. It's either up or down. That's why the, the charts are never flat. You're never going to see a chart. Yes. Never. Yeah. I mean, either up or, it's either up or down. Or down. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I would go out of business, right? If you took charts that didn't. Well, if they were flat, if they're flat, they they have to. I mean, inflation is a real thing; you will die. Yeah. No. So, I mean, getting back to the uh, the purpose here, though, of, of standing firm. What what tactics have you deployed? You know, I mean, so, so I think there's different types of. I mean, I can't really think of a time when, when that's not when that's not a good idea. Right. Um, the only time outside I've, of desperation, when you, you need cash, you know, um, which there's, is there's only other one lever if it's defensive. Like the only time I've, I think discounting can be useful, where you can really sort of play about with your core business model, is if it's defensive. And I've got one scenario this year, mm. which is a big, big deal. Competition. But we 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 are defending territory we we don't want a competitor in the region in any way shape or form and it was a plausible alternative mm. the discount then to win the deal to ensure that you don't have a net new to waste to somebody that's not going to service them as well as you can if it's money that's standing between you and them but with this with this so i'm just thinking through that scenario though with this Okay, again, there's the, the reality and, and the truths, and then there's the unknowns of what might actually happen. But let, let's assume for a second that you do hold firm. Let's assume for a second you allow the competitor in, and you know for a fact they're not going to be able to service them. Yeah. Well, will they crash and burn, or will they, will they completely torch the concept in general? I mean, those are the things that, you know, you may want to you, you might want to think through too and what i mean by that is um so when you say defending are you defending the territory against the the, the fundamental concept of whatever you're you're offering so if they don't do well if the other if the other vendor doesn't service the client does that keep that organization from every ever using your the the category of product or service versus mm -hmm. letting them in and having a hard time and coming back because it's kind of the same concept, right? Yeah, no, and there's the truth there. Um, and you've got to make some assumptions on maturity level, sophistication, get it factor, you know, and then you've got to put it into the con consideration of the category has to work. So you've proven it can for you, your business model at the volume of velocity you need it to. It's displacing a gap in capability and we're making something cheaper. If that's all agreed, and then you've still got a competitive overlay where it then comes to price per unit. And your strategy is we want to be market dominant in this in this niche or in this country or in this vertical. Then sometimes you have to play the game. But it's yeah. the last game, right? It's the last thing that should ever be the option. Look at terms, look at payment, look at length, What's that? look at support, look at, you know, any yeah, of these go, other go, things. Go, going back to the packaging, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're not, you're not discounting your unit 
price. Yeah. Which is key. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the big takeaway. Like if you're gonna discount, you can't discount your unit price. Sometimes you know, what you- we end up doing, we, we we ended up making a decision which was kind of interesting, which was um we we played about with some allowances, right? We were like, right, you can't do XYZ before 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Completely arbitrary, but at the same time, it held value. If we're going to discount, we need to replace or displace it with something else. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have a grounding, something you can, you know, like that you can choose, something that you can say, well, okay, we're going to assert some value somewhere. We're going to assert principle somewhere. You want discounting? Fine, we'll discount, but understand that there's a cost for discount for you as well. You know? And so for reps that are responsible for a monthly or quarterly number, and they're in a scenario that's not competitive. This is the last deal to make or break their number. Yeah. I, I mean, you know for a fact they're making this deal. Not, especially if it's in, in the rules of whatever leadership provides, which in that scenario, the culture of discounting to win deals. Um, Sometimes that's a strategy. Yeah. Uh, what is, you know, and I've been there as a, I've been there as the sales rep and wanting to know, Hey, I got to have some flexibility, you know, especially in competitive markets. I got to have some flexibility. Um, but you've also got to know your bottoms and your tops, right? And again, it's probably an enablement question or a lack of understanding of that business you're in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, how many reps, when they first start in a company, because nobody does this, nobody actively onboards them, gets them to spend time with the company CFO. Imagine that world where Ryan Rezak comes to work for Jerry Hill and Jerry says, as part of the onboarding, go and spend time with the CFO so you understand how we count, how we recognize revenue, why term limits matter, where the margin intensity is. Imagine that. You see less discounting. You know, the only other time, the only time that, (coughs) excuse me, the only time that I've um, actually had a real conversation and onboarding CFO is at Sprinkler. Um, We were, when we were acquired by Sprinkler at Bushaka, they had these um, events, everybody, no matter who, whether it was through an acquisition or, or new, new employee, they had onboarding classes at the mothership in New York fly everybody out and they went through this whole this whole thing i can't remember the name of it but uh you got in, indoctrinated into the becoming a sprinklerite and yeah. uh all the executives came in and, and talked and the cfo cfo had a session it was the only time i ever really spoke to a cfo about business not about like you know where's my commission and stuff like that um and uh and while they didn't talk about the unit cost, they did. They did 
lay out the fundamental strategy that the business was um, going for. And yeah. they laid out the growth trajectory and the importance of um, the types of businesses that we bring on and what their growth should look like. You know, so, you know, the average deal value, the expected growth and the fact that, you know, Sprinkler was growing at a, at a rate that was, um, it was not because of uh, uh, like a traditional SaaS business, but reasons why acquisitions and things that were so important because they were adding on. So each year the clients were not only renewing, but adding. And so there, um, while we may have lost logos, the, the actual revenue churn was, was positive, um, yeah. not negative. So uh, because, right. of the, because of the add-on. And so um, that was interesting to me because I had never really, I mean, most businesses barely even chat about their their operating plan outside of. I mean, it's some organizations don't even lay out the sales operating plan, let alone the business operating plan. And so um, that would be a big that'd be a big step forward for sales to get to a point where we talked about understanding the numbers. How can you if you don't know them or see them? It would be impossible. But I don't think there's a lot of salespeople out there that are going to ask those questions. No, because they don't really care. It's just a job, right? Just a job. And if I can just get deals and earn enough money to keep me happy, that's fine. But you know, if you if you just shoot to discount, you're leaving so much money on the table for yourself. It's, it's frightening. Like the Delta, you know, if you've got a high margin high quality deal, priced the right way, with zero discounting, the odds are you're going to renew that business. The odds are that customer is fully committed to seeing the value gap and paid the toll to get rid of the problem that they're trying to solve. And then thirdly, you take home more money because guess what? In the right companies, you're getting incentivized to margin as much as you are to deal with volume, deal value. Well, that's so. the problem though. That the, the Most organizations aren't looking at that either though. Right. You're, getting, you're getting paid you're getting paid the same commission it's a, it's, a, it's on a total deal value or something of that nature right yeah. there's even there's even incentives to go beyond a number which is where this is happening i'm at 95 percent of my number here's a deal that's going to put me at 115 percent, even at a 60 percent discount yeah. let's do it that's not that's not a good thing um and i think i think again i i, I think this is so timely because I've, I've gone through a couple of these and yeah you realize that the value even giving away stuff for free um uh, and a trial uh which is is seems to be a almost like necessary it feels like it's a necessary way of getting people started yeah it completely dilutes the value of, of the relationship from day one, the amount of effort someone puts into something. Um, uh, <laughs> if it's free, it's very different than if they've paid you some money, yeah. even if it's a small amount. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I so get people do it. If you're trying to remove friction, right? That's the goal. How do we make this easy for people? But at the same time, a little bit of hard, all right? 
what's the bounce back concept though you mentioned um do you have an idea of i mean i don't know if you, you track this at all I, I i only have it as an uh, feeling of gut but like what percentage of deals that you cut a deal actually become great customers versus those who you stand firm and eventually become a customer and then i guess from there like do those ones what percentage of those actually stick around and, and, and are or is there still challenges because it's just a fundamental challenge with a buyer who can never purchase things at value yeah i mean ideally you're speaking to people that aren't going to be messing around on some of the you know hopefully you don't have to go and bump people or put them through any sort of ridiculous selling process it doesn't help anybody so inherently you have to have qualified customers but okay that sounds like a lot of money to solve this problem I can't move on it. What do you mean you can't move on it, Jerry? It's the end of the quarter. I'm not sure it's going to be good business for you or for me if we set you up the wrong way. So good luck. Doesn't sound like worth it. That's the strongest term. And it doesn't cause any erosion of likability if you just say, all right, doesn't sound like worth it. Okay, now we know. Doesn't sound like we're a fit. Um, we'll come back to you off that. People are gonna be like, okay, I've moved things around. I've moved the the the, the deck, the pieces on the chessboard around a little bit, and now I found a way to be a fifth. Yeah, we'll talk again, but I'm gonna want to know what's changed. I'm not just gonna send you a proposal. What's different since we last spoke four weeks ago? Where's this sense of urgency come from? What's changed that you weren't able to manufacture this additional X amount of money four weeks ago versus your ability to manufacture it today? How did you do it? Why did you do it? How did we stay top of mind? How did we stay relevant? Or is the problem compounding because you haven't solved it in the timeline? Guess what? They've probably got a trigger to do a bigger deal. Well, if you were, if you, if you truly were position and i and i know in your world this is the truth i think in a lot of other deals you may not be and that's actually the hardest pill to swallow is that you're not really <clears throat> timing's off on addressing a, a fundamental top three priority deal you know problem within an organization and so <clears throat> if the pain's not there the gap's not there as uh, keenan likes to say there's no sell <clears throat> that's, okay, case, that's, okay, that? in, that's okay but in a different way mm -hmm. you know that's okay but in a different way and it's okay because you've given somebody an opportunity to understand something learn something you get an opportunity to learn something so you can become more relevant next time but i'd rather focus on the next time not the now if that's what the world's telling you Sometimes it's okay to be relevant in the future, not today. It's okay to take somebody through a process and they still make a decision that's not favorable, but to seek it out on the basis that you can re-reward somebody financially by almost buying the deal, you've compromised everything that your business value is about, right? Mm.
and that and that's a real frustration for everybody yeah. but here's the magic trick sometimes you can give people stuff mm -hmm. sometimes you can give people things but taking away never never works in the long term for anybody Well, I mean that that that's where the uh, you know getting back to the <clears throat> packaging. It's all about knowing your numbers and understanding the why behind where we're at today. And I mean, I think this is why you know people who sell physical goods. It's it's a little bit easier. You know, you think about. One of the best salespeople I've ever experienced was the person who sold my wife and I our most recent car. Um, you know, we were looking at uh, we, were, we were she was pregnant with her second kid. Uh, our car was dying, um, and she wanted to get another you know an SUV that's going to last the kids through um, toddler stage. So um, yeah, you know, we we did a bunch of research. We found one. We were going for a used vehicle that was, you know, a few years behind. So we get to the car lot looking at a couple of different options. And the guy's like, hey, you know, this is good. This is good. But have you checked out the new Traverse, which is the new SUV from Chevy? Yeah, we're not going to look at new. It's like, well, it's, if we do this and this and that, it's roughly the same price as this other used one anyway. Might as well just take a look at it. You're there in my wife's right away. She's like, oh, no, we can't have anything without leather. Because of the kids, right? Like cleaning up cloths, pain in the butt. Um, he's like, look, this option doesn't come with leather from a packaging perspective, the, the manufacturer. This is exactly the same thing outside of the upgrades, like leather, like the audio system, like a moonroof. But it's, other than that, it's the exact same thing. He's like, but I know a guy can get you leather chairs for an extra like, it was like two thousand bucks versus if you like upgraded the vehicle, it'd be like fifteen grand. Right? Um, <clears throat> I mean that move in and of itself, like, was a is where the deal was done because it's like, wow, there's a brand new car with all these other things, less than what a used vehicle would have been, and he just repackaged, even outside of what the manufacturer allows for, um, in a brilliant way, very nonchalant, no pressure, but just understood. What my wife was looking for, and I wasn't going to get whatever the hell she says yes on, right? But what I, you understood what she was looking for, yeah, yeah. identified like all the like what was the what was the main intent of her use of the vehicle, um, and found a solution even outside of the box, right? He had a guy, and even before we took it home, right? He's like, hey, I'll keep it here. He'll come get it. I'll pick it. So even before we came home, so we drove it off the lot with with leather seats, and um, you know, that's a vehicle that doesn't come with leather seats, but uh, it was very, very, very well done. And that's an example of packaging, right? It wasn't, um, I mean, it was price, but price became a package and the package wasn't designed in the, in the light of what she needed to do with budget, et cetera. But um, how can you do that with your services business? How can you do that with your SaaS business? You have yeah. to understand what the buyer is trying to accomplish and certain things within your core price packaging may not be relevant going back to the vehicle right we don't yeah. need 
better wheels and a better, you know, audio system and a moonroof. We didn't need it, but she wanted the leather. What, yeah. what within your deal could be that, you know, what's the leather, what's the others? And can you identify those? Like you said, give, give the leather, but take away the something else in the packaging. Maybe you don't need the extra service or something. I don't know, but, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a give now. It's not a takeaway because that lower package, that lower item that was going to be off the shelf, right? The lower tiered price, it became the ideal pricing by giving the leather and taking away the other stuff. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it's helping people identify, well, you want that, you need to make a compromise somewhere. But I'm not going to give you everything because it debases what it is that you're actually trying to solve for. Even something like a discretionary consumer purchase. You know, and I, to use the car analogy, I wish I'd got that experience when I bought my new car last summer. Yeah. Instead of, like, here's a test drive. First thing I sat down after my test drive with the guy, he was like, oh, let me see if we've got any Jaguar discounts available on the system very first thing he said to me oh, the dealer this wasn't like not a dealer purchase this was at the badge dealer for the vehicle as a you know and the first question first thing that comes out of his mouth is let me see if we've got any jaguar discounts on them. not oh what did you like about that remind me what did you enjoy how would this be good in your lifestyle oh yeah none of that he went straight for the discount. <laughs> nope. It was yeah. nice. The whole thing was nice. And I don't I can see why people hate dealing with sellers all the time. If that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. I'm gonna process a discount for you and take an order. Nobody gets any value from that. But that's that's what's happening ninety percent yeah. of the time. Yeah, that's a good place to land the plane. Yeah. Till next time. Thank you, brother. Bye. Get well. Get well.